Conesty, how are you? My name is Sarika, and I'm one of the co-founders of Candlelit Tales. We tell stories from Irish mythology to original music. In this episode, you'll be hearing our discussion about The Woman King, which was live-streamed on YouTube. We live-stream these conversations on YouTube, talking about the stories we tell and what they mean to us. If you'd like to be part of future conversations and to chip in with your own ideas and reflections, then please subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us on Sundays at 7pm UTC. And if you've missed seeing our faces, you can pop over to the YouTube channel now to watch this conversation there. Follow us on our social media to be reminded of our next live-streamed conversation or event, and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss anything. You can find out more about us on our website candlelittales.ie, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Candlelit Tales, and for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get these stories out to more people. But if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. And now, enjoy the conversation. Hi Jasper, how are you? Are we live? I believe we're live. All right, hello everybody. Sorry for a couple of minutes there, teething um, issues with some connections. Sorry about that. Hello and welcome to another Candlelit Tales post-show discussion. Today we are talking about the woman King and Soraka, you managed to put together a really interesting story for us, kind of taken from a lot of different parts of the Maeve story. And uh, I guess the first talking point really before we get into it uh, that I want to ask you about is what's the difference between woman king and queen before we go? That's a kind of a, it's a linguistic thing, isn't it? Because... Uh, is it is it though or is there more to it than that? Well, I mean, it's 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 a linguistic thing that I think we sort of decided to take and run with because the Irish word for queen is... Like in English, there's a king and then there's a queen. And in Irish, the the word for king is re, and the word for queen is ban rian, which kind of more directly translates to woman king. Which is just kind of interesting that, you know, I mean, you could argue that there is no difference there, that, you know, they're, both of them are words for a woman ruler. But... I think it's it's suggestive of something kind of interesting there in the way that you look at men and women and the, the way that a culture might might look at male and female rulers because they're both basically the same thing. Whereas I don't think we have that sense of the words in English. I think a queen is sort of feels different to a king. Whereas I think a king and a woman king feel much closer together in terms of like... Yeah, in terms of the role, in terms of what they're doing. And it's a, it's yeah. a thing that happened, it comes up a couple of times in, in mythology and we've talked about it in, in context of a couple of different things like um, there's no word for a woman druid. A druid is a druid and half of them in the stories are women. And there's no, there's no special word for warrior woman. Uh, a warrior is a warrior and sometimes they're men and sometimes they're women in the stories. And this is just kind of one of those cases where it's like, oh, 
I wouldn't have thought of that for like ruler and sovereign and king. And yet that kind of seems to be a little mm. bit more what's going on. Certainly, so, like yeah. when, when you kind of look at, I guess, the big goddesses of the Celtic kind of uh, pantheon, if you want, uh, the Morrigan being the goddess of battle rage, even Bridget being the kind of a goddess slash saint associated with healing and abundance. I guess Maeve was kind of put into a bracket of almost godlike qualities. She became so legendary. She became associated and put into some of the pre-Skelta and the background stories to the town that were like mentioning her in the time of the two of the Danon as well. So she's a huge character. And so the idea of, of separating and belittling, I guess, a title between king and queen and having a, 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 any hierarchy there that you might imagine, having just the title of king or a ruler or a re, you know, uh, over one is just, it, it kind of makes sense in the Irish setting uh, because you wouldn't mess with the Marek and you wouldn't be messing with Bridget or Boan or like the goddesses and, and gods of Tudu and they command equal respect as well. So Yeah, and like Bridget, you know, Bridget is, Bridget is a goddess of healing and smithcraft and poetry and she's also the battle goddess of leinster she's she's the she she was like her flag was flown on on the flags of the leinster regiments when they went into battle so like you Mm -hmm. know this is this is a she's not not a warrior goddess (laughs) but yeah it's a really interesting thing and um you know i don't there's never a clear division between people in irish mythology and the two of Danann in Irish mythology, because the two of Danann never leave in Irish mythology, so they're always there, and it's never kind of you know, Maeve has a lot of interactions with the two of Danann. Uh, she helps Angus Oak's uh, father Dagda try and find his beloved care. Uh, she and Aliel are, are kind of pivotal in that in that love story. And yeah, and again, that made when I read that first, it made no sense to me because I was like, what? But that time, Lenny, where where are we? What is going on? <laughs> the, the, the point of the two is that they didn't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There isn't a there isn't a division because they they go into the underhill and like Krukon I is a place of like huge magic, massive magic. Yeah. And Maeve and Oliel, you know, they they have to manage this, particularly Maeve, and she's you know she in the stories she's kind of shown to be very very comfortable with it and with that side of things and with being able to like summon monsters out of the hill to test the champions of Ulster, for example. There's a story uh, in the Preevskilt of the Khan about that as well, where she kind of summons beings from under hill for them to contend with, uh, which is understandably quite difficult for them. <laughs> well, again, in, in Krogan, and you mentioned it a few times in your story about how she wanted to build this up as a place of abundance, a place of feasting and festivities and, and well, I guess, hospitality is the main thing that you mentioned. And, and the fact that Krogan was was kind of the real landmark in the West. And, and she set it up as this huge and kind of a spiritual home. And it resonates a lot across the land now because you still go there and, you know, there's a, a heritage centre and it's all kept kind of like in a, a shroud of mystery. Hey, I, I lost a pair of glasses there. So I bought them that day, Provo West, and they fell out of my pocket. I was like, hmm, there's another one on there. Um, but like there is, like, and there's still all around that area, uh, you still have huge little 
feedback to the thorn trail pointed every which way and it kind of it's in the land out there and crook on seemed to be this big spiritual home and area that had an awful lot of power and and prestige i guess uh, can you tell us a little bit more about crook on and what you know about it before even may have got there uh i can tell you what i know about it from the stories um I just realized that my red light filter was on there and I turned it off. So we probably look a little bit different in the stream now. Sorry, that was my fault. Um, <laughs> or my blue light filter, whatever it is, makes the screen look red. Uh, Krukon in the mythology is named for Maeve's mother, Kroka, or one of the people who might be her mother. Um, her mother is not very well recorded. Her father is a king uh, who's Oki Feluk in the, in the mythology. Um, her mother is potentially Kroka, who gives her name to the mound of Krokon. Yes. Um, Krokon I has a weird story around it that I meant to look up and forgot to, which is about cows <laughs> and livers and having to like take the livers out of cows in order to melt this supernatural snow that covered what? the whole plain, which is something that Maeve had to do at some point because it was kind of like, it seemed to be like the two of Dan and kept trying to reclaim the plain from Maeve and the and the people who live there. So, because you've loads of like werewolves associated with it, you've loads of creatures coming out of the hill of Crocon and on various counts, you know. So like, yeah. it's a really strong mythic creature element portal area. It is, it is an active gateway like to the world that is like well trafficked and highly utilized, and they decided to build their house there. Right, right. and. You know, it's very like, you know, it's there's there's the version of that story where it's very kind of poltergeist, poltergeist and and people run away and leave the house to the to the demons. And then there's the, the maid version of that where she goes, nah, this is my house. We're going to wow. we're going to we're going to figure this out. You're going to you're going to come when I call. <laughs> and in a way, it's kind of it's territorial. It's like there's a there's an area that seems in, in like powerful and spiritual and whatever it is, but you can see an awful lot. Like it doesn't even feel like when you're there, it doesn't even feel like you're up high, but you can see a very long surrounding horizon because there's little kind of, you're on a bit, a bit of a swell of a hill. Now it's just not on a mountain or anything, but it's an interesting vantage point across a lot of flatland and the surrounding far off hills. Uh, so it's definitely a place that's like, oh, this is actually a very handy spot to, to navigate your, your surroundings from. And so she kind of she kind of came in as a, oh, a cat will and just make their kind of like, actually, you know what, this is mine now. Um, I'm, it's powerful, it's, it's, it's mine, I like it. It's like what cats do with humans. Like, this is mine now. Uh, <laughs> you're mine. Um, mine now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, the cats of Kurokon, because the cat cave in as well. Um, a lot of cat stories around there too. So that's that, yeah, Krugan, massively powerful. I think that stands to Maeve's kind of testament of, of character and, and how kind of formidable she was and how dominating she was when she was just in a, in a place. I guess there will, will be onto a, a few different um, topics on this story, but before we do go into the nitty gritty, uh, it's interesting how you structured this story as like, because uh, again, this is like it sounds like a background story to the town. The way you ended it, it ends almost with the the pillow talk of Maven Alliot. And but this is fragments. This is a lot of different sources. This is you um, uh, amalgamating a lot of different things and putting it together in 
a different narrative again kind of like what we have done in the past but we did this show for the first time last year in Westport and since then again you've kind of adopted different bits to it and yeah it's, it's, it's interesting to to see how you plotted that piece those pieces together I should say um, how did you find putting it together this time for the podcast? Um, it was kind of interesting because there was a there was a particular episode that I left out that I will tell uh, probably later this year because we're going to do some stories of sort of the the deaths of some of the people in the Ulster cycle and Maeve. We need a few death stories, like you know, to cheer us up. Obviously, <laughs> and Maeve's, Maeve's death story is like uh, is a very interesting one, but it 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 involves her sister Clothru, who who I left out of this particular podcast just because it was. It's too weird of a digression. Um, and have- it's dark. It's dark. Uh, it's already dark. Um, it's, already dark. Yes, it's already dark. Exactly. But it was just like, it, it just felt like too weird of a, of, of a digression. So I, I skipped it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the things that we knew about Maeve before she became the Queen of Connacht are relatively sparse because there is a story about her father and his twin sons who led a rebellion against him. And there are, there are a couple of little stories about some of her sisters. Um, all of Maeve's sisters were married to Cahor Magnessa at different times. Um, his, Maeve was his first wife. And the only thing that's actually said in mythology about that is that it was not a good, it was not a good marriage. That's it. Leave it that, leave it that. Which wow. I didn't leave it at that because I kind of started thinking about, well, what is the nature of Crohor Magnessa? Uh, mm-hmm. What is the nature of Crohor that we know from the story of Deirdre of the Sorrows? What is the nature of Crohor that we know from the fact that he sentenced a poet to death, to death for sleeping with his wife when it was completely illegal to sentence a poet to death for anything? Uh, we know he's an incredibly jealous man. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that his, like, particularly his kind of his his pride and his sexual jealousy are very 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 dominant characteristics in him and what do we know about Maeve we know that she is ex- like she has this extraordinary sexual prowess and you know I, this is something i was i was talking to a friend of mine about this earlier today actually like we have a double standard about sexuality in our culture where it is admirable for men to have a lot of partners and it is not admirable for women to have a lot of partners. The Celts did not have that. The Celts very clearly did not have that attitude to sex. It was admirable for men to have a big dick and a lot of sexual partners. And it was admirable for women to have a big bladder <laughs> and a lot of sexual partners. Yeah. That is like, like- level playing field you guys like that's what that's what they fair enough and like fair enough the the pissing contest story which i kind of wove into this as a sort of proof of why she should be queen of connacht although that's not necessarily where the story fits into the the timeline there are there are accounts there are stories about different pissing contests in different parts of ireland like this was a thing look we're putting it out there. Plowing championships have had their day. It's time to bring back the pissing championships. All right. It's like, like county you know, by I, county. Got to get it out there. Like there's a certain point at which the two overlap. <laughs> um, come here, uh, the pissing contest is like my favorite part of the story. And um, it's we've great. The, the story goes along with that. But one sec. Um, I want to kind of mention that a lot of, <laughs> a lot of this story seems to be coming from a place of, of hurt. 
because of the the trauma and, and the abuse uh, that she received from from Grahor. Should we put a trigger warning in this episode? I feel like mythology is very dark, and it kind of comes with the package that you're going to. But should we possibly put a trigger warning in this? Um, I mean, um, you mentioned abusive relationships. You know what? I've I've kind of my position on trigger warnings was we didn't do them in the beginning because I didn't really understand them. Um, and we're not doing them now because if we were doing them now, we should have done them from the beginning. Um, but it's probably worth asking people, actually, do you think we should start? Because yeah, I, mean, I think it's actually I, worth my, my kind of feeling about it is that like, as you said, mythology is dark. Like mythology is not, uh, safe. It's not a particularly safe space. Like there's a lot of serious, forces going on here and there's a lot of deeply traumatic stuff of culture being worked out but at the same time i don't want to ruin anybody's fucking day if they're listening to a story and they suddenly get a ptsd flashback that's not that doesn't sound like yeah. good if it's avoided. yeah yeah i think it, and, and things like this i guess um brought to my attention again because yesterday was world mental health day wow. and uh, i was reminded that you know, I'm mental and I see a lot of things up on Facebook of, of people owning up to their uh, bipolar issues with depression, issues with mental health and, and anxiety and lots of other stuff. And it's like she's talking about it is a very good and positive thing. And it's kind of like how we how we get past the stigma of that. And it's very good to do that. Um, and this story reminded me of that for a number of reasons. Like, oh, well, yeah, baggage is, is carried around by, by Maeve throughout this whole story. Like everything she does she's got, is kind of she's got a huge baggage. amount of unprocessed trauma. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like I think baggage is probably um, under understating it a little. Understating, yeah, yeah. She's, actually, got, yeah. she's got this massive amount of unprocessed trauma, and she's yeah. in a she's in a warrior culture, and so warrior culture is you know the thing that you do with trauma is you pass it on. Ooh. You, you give it to someone, you, you, your son got killed by Krohor Magnesse, you kill three of his sons, which is what she does in the story of Manya Morgor. Um, you know, there's, there's, this is, that's, that kind of. How, how long ago did we come out of warrior society? What, what society are we in now? Are we still in that? <laughs> what do you mean? What, what do you mean? How long did we come out of? <laughs> I mean, like, exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, like the, we, the idea. So I, I, I had a question written down, like. We somewhat domesticated warrior code with sports. Yeah, that's true. Made them a lot more uh, safe and easy and, and accessible, but they're still they're still live and die by the early. Um, or well, we 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 arguably very much have not come out of warrior code. Like it's interesting if you look at kind of um, the evolution of legal codes like the Babylonian code, which is a very, very old one, which is the, the one that codifies an eye for an eye. Mm -hmm. And like the, the attempt there is to put a cap on people's vengeance and to say, well, if, if, if I take your eye, you're only allowed to take one of my eyes. You're not allowed to kill me or take both of them. Right. So you can't escalate. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then you had the sort of philosophy of the Bible where it was like, well, an eye for an eye, is is old it should be it should be turned the other cheek which is a uh more of a philosophical thing and like not necessarily something that's reflected in in any of our uh cultures today very deeply or very well especially when it comes to dealing with criminality and and violence 
Mm. And so it's and it's but define that to like what is the warrior code like back then and even kind of what what is it now? Well, you saying that as if there's one. Yeah, I guess there's various, sure. But like, okay, so the warrior code of of, uh, of Maeve's time is obviously is kill, revenge, yeah. escalate if need be. It's also Go one. Sorry, I'm I'm not sure if you're finished or not. Zoom is. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. You answer. Um, like I said, that's why I'm kind of saying, like, why why would you assume that it's over or it's finished or we've moved beyond it? We show very little indication of that because this is a, this is a kind of a an idea of glorifying violence, and that violence is is um, honourable, and that violence is a good way to get what you want. And that violence increases your status. Like that that's, you know, that's not a warrior code that somebody wrote down and said, hey, you have to sign up to this in order to do that. This is just kind sure. of a description of, you know, how how uh, a basic kind of orientation for a culture. And when you have cultures that like and you know, when you have cultures that have scarce resources and there are rival tribes nearby. That is why people invest in warriors. That's why you put the the blacksmith to work making swords instead of plows. Because if you make, if you build up an abundance of wealth and somebody decides to come and steal it from you, um, you're screwed. So like hmm. it, it comes out of a defensive mentality as well and a kind of a scarcity mentality of there's not enough resources to go around so we have to guard what we do have. Ah. Um, which is a you know but there you see there you see a kind of a, a a representation of of modernity in terms of like people being led by fear and what they can control and what they have an effect upon and their fear of whatever the its income and stability and being able to make sure they're provided for in their own community in their own society for all of the things including leisure and activity and then you have uh, when that goes when that goes askew. And I guess in in modern terms, if we're talking about like the unprocessed trauma that Maeve brings around in, in her story, that essentially leads on to the tone, which again we've talked about as a story, an anti-war story. And so it, it keeps on showing these myths show us constant flaws and personalities, constant ways of people kind of messing up or letting their ego go ahead of them and not actually sorting stuff out before they try and sort out the rest of the world. So their internal landscape is always a bit skewed and messed up. And so yeah. And I think if, I think that it's something that like I think it's really important to remember when you're when you're looking at mythology in general and certainly Irish mythology, these are not stories about paragons. These are not stories about people that you're supposed to be like. These are stories about very flawed people uh, who are operating on a grand scale and are causing ripple effects on a, on a huge scale. And so everything is kind of scaled up, but like they're not, they're not role models. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely not role models looking for role models i think you get really uh, in trouble we have a comment from jasper who said uh in the chat on youtube i loved this episode triggers are wounds needing healing can't avoid so that's a point of view sure um i mean i guess with the whole um 
kind of, I don't know, our, our father's a psychotherapist. I wonder what would have Maeve done in the perfect ideal to get over her trauma of past and not lead her way into having an all-out war all over Ireland, maybe? Uh, is it a story of, like, deal with your own internal stuff before trying to have, like, all of her conditions, like, they're, like, it's a, a roadmap to disaster or conditions yep. for marriage. You know it's going to be messed up. Like, you know, like no guy yep. is going to agree to this. But yeah, sure. Okay. This is how you solve that problem, Maeve. But hang on. It's like, that's, that happens over and over and over again in mythology. When yeah. people, you had the story of Cormac, Mac, with the story of Cor, uh, Connor Moore, sorry, which I think is next week's episode next week yeah sure. in which it's like as long as you don't do these things you will have a <laughs> fucking beautiful prosperous reign forever and what does he do exactly those things it is it that is about trying to control fate and trying to control things that are outside of your control because it never works and this is Maeve's attempt in my view to try and control her own fate where she's like I was married to a jealous man now I refuse to marry a jealous man. So if you're a jealous man, you can't marry me. And of course, what she gets is a succession of men saying, well, I'm not jealous, and then marrying her, and then getting jealous, and then getting their asses killed. Yeah. Until she finishes up with Olio, who again, promises not to be jealous, gets jealous, and gets a whole fucking country killed. My, my issue with this is that everyone puts, puts the blame on Maeve. She didn't fucking start the argument. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I, 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 I we're, we're dissecting the character of Maeve, so it's interesting to look at it. And I, I, I certainly, I, you, you get a lot of readings uh, when it's done, when the tone is told. And I, I, I feel you're right. Like Maeve is often villainized. You often have a kind of a the, the the north side of things is that she's the evil woman that comes in and um, attacks Ulster, and the rest of Ireland is. You kind of forget as. as People who, when I read this from as a Munster man, I kind of forgot that Munster and Leinster and Connacht all waged war on, on Ulster because you, you take the side of Cucullin in, in the story because that's who you who you who feels is the is the righteous uh, character in the story, and so you you, know, you, you obviously side on him and gave him your empathy. But uh, maybe often you never quite get that insight into her background. I like this story essentially does is like goes to show her highs and her lows, her beauty, her strength and her abundance and her giving and all of the rest of the things she has and also the dark aspects of what she's lived through and having to live through and having to clean up and mess, like all the guys that have gone off to try and kill someone, it's their fault. Uh, all of her husbands that get, <laughs> get themselves killed, you know. Um, you can argue that she set it up for them to definitely, absolutely fail because they were just never going to not. Sure. <laughs> um, of course you can you can argue that, oh, you're setting me up to fail by asking me to do something simple and then me not doing it. Or you could argue that you maybe should have stayed in your fucking lane and done what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, okay, all right. Uh, so, I get yeah, this depends on your perspective. <laughs> yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to ask any more questions about that one anyway. I think that was, I think that's sorted, yeah. That's, uh, so Maeve's right. Uh, she's great. Uh, we Listen, love her. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to argue. Like I said earlier, if you were... If you are reading these myths looking for role models, you are looking in the wrong place. 
And hey, wait till you hear the Cloverou story, you know what I mean? Like, that that makes you really not side with Maeve. What you do have, you absolutely. And like what you do have are really interestingly complex characters. And so that's why I don't like this kind of idea of her being reduced to villain, because I think it's oversimplifying. Not that she didn't do some bad shit. She absolutely did. But just that it's a reduction of a complex character to one thing. But that's always the reduction of, of picking a good side and a, and a bad side because you Which have everybody. In Irish mythology, know, there are no sides good and bad. Yeah, you have a lot of so grey area. If you're, and no matter what the protagonist is, you always find a way of feeling for the other character, the other fighter, the other loser. You end up flipping your kind of allegiance halfway through the story going, no, the other thing should happen. Oh, shit, this guy's a dickhead. <laughs> like, it constantly just, messes you know, with... The more, you, the more stories you tell about Crohor McNessa, the more you realise what a horrible man he was. So speaking of Crohor, right, um, he's a high status, but despite his high status, he constantly has loads of insecurities. He's, his, his ego is just out of control. Um, well, and because he has this high status, all of the consequences of his actions that are based out of insecurities have massive ripple effects. Yeah. Discuss. Well, I think, you know, we probably should do a, a separate episode on Crohor to talk about his whole deal. But like, here's yeah, the guy gets true. into power because he does what his mother tells him to do. And then ends up getting into this, into, uh, you know, if you think of Deirdre of the Sorrows being a, a, an early example of his leadership his his issues around women and around trying to control women crop up again and again and again and again and it always always blows up in his face and that's I mean, we, 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 we will we will be getting to Crowor we'll be doing the death stories and Crowor is a pretty amazing death story so I think we can kind of probably do a whole episode on, on him and his character because there's loads to talk but again like it just seems to be like if you're a leader you know, deal with your own shit before projecting all your insecurities and your fears and your worries onto the world and the people that you're around you and being controlled. However, much like Maeve was, in spite of her personal issues, a great queen for Connacht, Crohor McNessa, in spite of his myriad of personal issues, is remembered as being a great king for Ulster. So there's also that thing of like, these are the personalities but there's, they're also in a, they're also in a job. They're also in a role that they're both described as being good at. Now, what that means versus what it would mean today, obviously, is a different thing. But like, you know, Maeve, Maeve is is someone who, in a in a culture that has this kind of warrior mentality, she is a warrior. Uh, she's also in a culture that values generosity. She highly prizes generosity. Uh, she's, you know, makes Kruakon this place of abundance to all of her guests. And like, we know that, that the, her wealth and her generosity continue even after the tone, because um, again, we'll get to it more in death stories, but some of the, re- one of the retired Ulster heroes is sent to Kruakon Eye because he has such a huge appetite that only Maeve can feed him. And she mm. keeps this like retired, <laughs> decrepit Ulster warrior fed and housed for years so like she has this like there's there's a there's a really interesting side of Maeve which um which is the side where she's taking in the exiles and Mm. I like this is also uh I did a thing that I don't often do with this 
which is that I started reading a history book, which I don't usually do with mythology. But, and I'm only about a third of the way through the history book, by the way. It's a very small book, but it's, it's quite dense. Um, history is not a page turner. It's not one of those, ooh, what have you Well, do you know, it's the, kind of, <laughs> it's the kind of thing where they'll give you a piece of information and then they'll tell you the same piece of information from a different source and the same piece of information from a different source again, which is necessary to show that the sources, the sources are robust and that the information is good, but it's also like, all right, hang on, who are we talking about now? Yeah, um, but it's, it's an interesting book because uh, it deals with the historical Queen Maeve, uh, who was a real person, who, who was Queen of Connacht, uh, or Woman yes. King of Connacht, as we've decided to call her, and who absolutely existed and uh, was one of several um, Celtic queens in Europe at the time. And this was during the period of Roman expansion into Britain. So they were, they were very much conquering the Celts. And so there are a lot of Roman sources talking about these Celtic queens who scared the shit out of the Romans, by the way. They did not have oh, queens yeah. in Rome. <laughs> they did not get why the Celts came into battle with their wives which was probably not actually what was happening. It was probably more the fact that the Celtic army was mixed men and women, <laughs> but like, yeah, women, yeah, like yeah. fully didn't get this and it freaked them right out. Um, and like, we know of, you know, the historical queen, uh, Bodhichia, uh, in, in the queen of the Iseni in, in Britain, who led a rebellion against uh, the Romans in Britain and very, very nearly drove them out. Um, but apparently her, she she did not succeed in driving them out eventually because her troops got drunk before the battle was fully won and the Romans rallied and cut them to shreds. Ooh. But yeah, it was nasty. Uh, the, the remnants of that tribe left Britain and they went to Connacht and Maeve was the one who, who uh, gave them shelter. Took them in, right. Yeah. So she really was... She saw people who were like, all right, you're clearly a strong end of a thing, but come, you'll, she, you'll she, help me out. She took in refugees. Yeah, I mean, that's a massive aspect of it, sure. This is but a generosity it. thing. She took in refugees from, from the war in Britain. Um, and it's, it's an interesting book because there's also, I don't think we can talk about Queen Maeve without, without mentioning Goddess Maeve. Um, because there's... Um, there's a perspective or there's a there's an idea that, you know, Maeve's promiscuity is connected to a kind of a conflation of Maeve and a sovereignty goddess, who I think is Maeve Leththarug, actually. She's a she's a sovereignty goddess, uh, Maeve of the Red Half. It seems to be a separate figure, but has been kind of in some ways amalgamated with Maeve. But um, the writer well, of this the, book. Yeah, go ahead. The writer of this book. Uh, who's a guy called Tom O'Connor strenuously objects to the amalgamation of Maeve and the goddess because he reckons it is an wow. attempt by uh, 19th, 19th century historians to discredit the existence of the Celtic Queens and oh. to actually write them out of history and say, oh, well, there was never really a queen Maeve. There was a goddess Maeve. And people started talking about her as if she was a queen, but, but it's all made up and she never really existed. When actually there's, there's quite strong evidence that there, there absolutely was a Queen Maeve who lived in Connacht yeah. and, and, and kicked some ass. 
Like she was a real person. And then if we take that along with this idea of like for the Celts, there wasn't a sexual double standard. Hey, everything's changed. <laughs> Suddenly it seems there might have been a giant bull in the field. And, you know, breasts would make sense too. Hey, look, we're always asked, like, are these stories true? I'm like, true, the word true is very, very yeah. What do, you mean by, what do you mean by true? What does true mean anyway? True no. out of it. <laughs> but it, um, it, it was something that I wanted to mention because I think that's yeah, often, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's often brought up when we're talking about Maeve is this whole thing of like, well, she was a goddess. We can't judge her by human standards. She was a goddess. And it's like, well, you know, there, there was a sovereignty goddess called Maeve, but also there very, very much was a queen Maeve who walked well, the earth and lived and breathed and ate and had hopefully lots of very good sex with very good looking men. I mean, we will be doing, no doubt, a uh, goddess Maeve story once we find enough information. Find enough info. Any listeners, if any, any listeners are uh, working in the archives of, uh, of any colleges and, and have unearthed some books or anything like that, let us know, let us know the sources. If there's something um yeah i mean like the, my favorite part of this whole story whether she was a goddess or she was a real woman is the fact that she was able to furrow a large enough river that she birthed three lakes in the pissing contest um that's amazing that whole concept is amazing that it like measure men's dicks basically and women's pissing ability to furrow the biggest um burrow uh, so yeah i mean that's hilarious the fact that she claims it after that is kind of a bit of a maybe in, well the kingship um, hmm. there that's kind that of was, kind of shown off. There was something of an invention of mine. Um, sure. She came to Connacht. At some point, the pissing contest happened. At some point, she mar- married Tinny McConry, who is the king of Connacht. And I was just like, why don't we just put those two together? Um, um, so we have a pretty funny story. But when we were doing live show in Stag's Head first time we ever told a pissing uh, contest story. This is a few years ago now. And uh, Aoife went to one of our uh, troop back then, went into the back the bathroom and <laughs> heard, and also recorded so she could send us two women having a pissing contest in the booth. <laughs> well, not so. only that, they, they were meeting a friend who right. had missed the story. So two oh. of them were telling their friend the story of the pissing contest. And then they were like, well, let's go. Listen. (laughs) And they got fully into it. And they were like planning on going out that night into nightclubs in Dublin. And I was like, I, I, I remember thinking then, and I think it to this day, if this actually takes off in the nightclubs in Dublin, I would be very proud. If no other legacy comes of Candlelit Tales, then that women start Strong competitive pissing. I I'll be happy. I think that's what we want. That's that's our, that's our modus operandi. That's what we're aiming for. That's like the uh, the dream. Yeah, the dream. Uh, yeah, yeah that's my dream. Just, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah. but it's hey. but it's deep. It's achievable. It's achievable. Well, like, uh, so get out there and, and uh, it's not that modest because it also involves a whole lot of reclamation of female sexuality and promiscuity and aging. There's a lot of ways that this layered. is a positive thing. Layers. Layered. A lot of layers. Layered, there's a layered pissing contest. 
Um, so I think like when we're talking about pissing contests, we're talking about reclaiming uh, strong female power and prowess and, and uh, appreciation of sexuality, be it male or female. We're kind of talking, and this whole episode, really, this whole character of Maeve makes you shine a light on, weirdly enough, mental health and what it is and how many ways of which it can be fucked up and messed up and ignored and not talked about. And I guess when I came to Dublin, you introduced me to meditation and a meditation group. And that's kind of been your thing uh, for a long time. And I've found in the last couple of years after working with an actor of going, jumping in the sea in the cold water, that's kind of my swimming now is my meditation. Um, And it's just like everybody has to find those things that become habits that are good for you. And you do them more often, and all of a sudden you just constantly go, oh, well, that's a stupid thing. Opposed to those, those habits that are bad for you and, and you keep on doing them. But it's, it's, a, it's an optimistic thing, I think, to think that you can just find a little habit that makes you centered, whether it's walking, whether it's cooking and chopping veg, or that mindfulness activity that is just really positive, a nice breather, and a good, a good kind of stretch for your mental health. And uh, yeah, kind of a reset. So it's good. Um, how's your meditation going? Uh, very well. We are working through the rec- the Recognition Sutras by Christopher Wallace, which highly recommend. Um, very interesting book on kind of tantric, the tantric non dualistic uh, tantric tradition, which is uh, also has some interesting stuff about masculine and feminine. Uh, and yeah, I like the non-dual traditions because they're not. There's not a hierarchy between spirit and body. It's it's all one. It's all sacred. Hmm. Um, which I think is a nice thing to keep in mind when we are feeling very profane and unsacred. Is that like, well, you know, either all of it is sacred or none of it is. <laughs> And that's that's an interesting way to try and you know to to approach your life of like well this is this this is also this is too yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. so it's is Bluetooth bad. so are headphones I had a bit of I had a bit of an issue at the start of this uh, had my I couldn't hear anything and I was breaking out because my phone was connected to my Bluetooth speakers yeah. and I had a very unzen moment uh, I'm sorry Oshin I'm so sorry. And I was like, I'm hey, snapping at me. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm Zen again. Uh, I'm not Zen. I'm, I'm mental. But uh, I'm doing my best. Doing best. <laughs> Levels. <laughs> yeah, um, so I just kind of wanted to mention that, I guess, with, with the day that it was in yesterday. It was just interesting to read it. everything about that. It's kind of always, I think, nice to hear what other people do to reset mm-hmm. themselves, rejog, you know, jig themselves, uh, whether it's jogging or cycling or swimming or meditation you know or meditation um, or painting or writing or going or yoga when i feel like i need to stretch um yeah all of those things are part those of things. Sorry. and actually i think um, it's kind of nice more than having one thing is 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 having several you know having a little toolkit for yourself where, oh, when yeah. you're like oh i'd like to go swimming but it's cold and it's raining that you go okay instead i'm going to give myself a little gift of yoga or a nice cup of tea or just a moment of silence or whatever it is like and this is hilarious like yeah. a cup of tea a cup of tea like people wonder why we love tea so much like a, a cup of tea can be one of the best and greatest things of all time and i was having a discussion with my girlfriend started the year where um 
she was talking about how uh, all of the things that had gone through her head after the thing I had said, and she was just sitting there thinking about them and all of the different avenues and all of the multiple variations of, of, of uh, I don't know, things that was going on in her head. Women just think faster than I do anyway, I think. Anyway, um, I just said to her, you know, I make tea, pour in the water, stir it, put in a little bit of milk, plant milk, and then kind of stir it, and then I'm drinking tea. I'm like, mmm, tea. tea. Tea and mindfulness. Tea and mindfulness. Yeah. And then she's just drinking tea for a while. And like, it's just, I'm just drinking tea, like. And she's like, but what are you thinking about when you're drinking tea? I'm like, tea. It's really important to uh, think about tea when you're drinking tea. Yeah, you've got to think about how nice the tea is. Otherwise, you'll miss it. Cold tea. <laughs> Not quite as nice. Not as nice. Not as nice. Still, okay. It was a mindful uh, expression. Um, <laughs> your story leads us up to uh, the pillow talk of uh, Mavena Olio. Uh, it's almost the start of the Pombo Kunla. Um, and we do tell that kind of every year. We've, we were coming up to Samhain, and it's just worth mentioning that like we have loads of interesting and exciting stuff coming up at the moment uh we'll be doing some more online stuff uh, we're getting booked for online uh things as well so we'll be letting people know through social media what the crack is with that um this week will this go out in time yeah well this week uh candle tales is hired by the arts council uh to do a festival in a van uh, across three different uh, dublin schools so we're really that looking forward to that fun. thank you arts council for thank calling you, us arts council for calling um, um, I was yeah, deadly. I love how you were like, "Is this going to go out on time?" It's a live stream, Aaron. It's going out now. <laughs> I've realised <laughs> as I said that. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let, me just, let me just draw attention to that error that you had blown past, just in case we was in gadget. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. You're Can welcome. You that out? Ah, we're not going to yeah. edit it. Are we? No, 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 live. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so anyway, there's exciting things happening, Zorica. I just wanted to say how exciting it would be to be in schools. A few other schools uh, and teachers and uh, creative associates have gotten in touch with us. So if you are one of those people, get in touch with us as well. We'd love to come to your school. We have a whole workshop series written up as well. Um, that's the little plug. Uh, and also, we're really looking forward to hearing more stories about Samhain coming towards the end of the week and when the month. So mm. stay tuned to that and yeah, after that we'll be getting into lots of other stories lots of fun stories. and scary it's uh, the best thing uh, here and it's, it's feeling like it's feeling like oh it's getting dark now you're lighting the candles and I mm, although you can make a little candle and although like we're seriously I forgot to show you guys my small pumpkin oh my god Joe's it's in the fridge it's in the fridge ah, I know um, I forgot to bring it I meant to bring it I had it behind me last week in the live stream with the two lads from uh, Shy Talk Irish History. So you might be able to see it there. But yeah, no, I carved the smallest pumpkin. It's this big. And all, above my head as well is, is our, our original um, illustration. Uh, for those of you on the video, it's original. Uh, traditional is the music, music playing um, on that one. I'll copy a link, as I hope you do with your um, uh, uh, the mantra stuff, the meditations. Put those... Uh, into the show notes below. Uh, you mean I the Christopher Wallace book? Sure. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. We got another couple of messages from Jasper. Uh, hey. Thank you for writing to us, Jasper. We don't always see your messages. In <laughs> uh, 
there's a little there's also a little bit of a lag so sometimes you'll say something and i'm like i kind of the conversation's moved on i feel like i can't bring it back but anyway but dancing, dancing is his zen dancing is his zen that's awesome yeah that's awesome. which is awesome and thank you for sharing that with us and yeah. continue your oneness practice and rock on man um Awesome. That's class. Yeah, I think we'll leave it there, Sarah. Um, thanks for tuning in with us and listening in. And we'll be chatting to you again on next week's podcast, which is Connor Moore. Yes, we will talk about the Bird King. So, mm. you know, enjoy that. And if you haven't listened to the Woman King yet, go back and uh, give it a listen. Queen Maeve. All right. Bye, Bye guys. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. And for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, Candlelittle Tales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can ship in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. And do subscribe now. It's free. We'd really like to hear back from you with any questions you may have. So please contact us directly or leave your question in the comments section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there and share them with as many people as possible. So anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we especially appreciate you listening.